the next few episodes, I'm going to be doing reviews of some classic Dark Sun modules. Today's module, Forest Maker. Forest Maker was designed by John J. Terra, art by Tom Baxa, cartography by Diesel. Released in 1994, there's three main parts to this adventure. At its most basic, the characters hear about some sort of forest that's growing out in the wasteland, and they go out to investigate it. It's got some problems with it. A lot of these first edition modules do. At the outset, a lot of these are very railroady. They kind of have certain scenes plotted out and then force the characters along those routes. But in today's review, I'll talk about some ways that I changed it to adapt it to my own game style. For each scene, or part of the module. I'll talk about the good, the things I liked, the bad, the things I didn't, and the ugly, the things that I changed. We start with the opening scenes, and this is basically how the characters receive their mission. Either the Veiled Alliance asks them to check this out, or they get a dream from the order. In these opening scenes, uh, I liked the figure of Temgar. He appears in a dream as a slim humanoid figure wearing an ornate mask that covers his entire head. That seemed like a really interesting image to me. The bad seemed like we're not plugging into the character's internal motivations. Instead, we have these quest givers that send them along their way, and you're playing it because this is the adventure. In my own games, I like to tie it a little bit closer to some sort of internal, intrinsic motivation that the characters would have. Unfortunately, I didn't really figure out what that motivation was going to be until the end of the module and the ugly. In this section, I'll talk about what I changed. I've run this adventure twice now, and in one of them, I moved the dream until after they had rescued the wizard. But later, I just skipped this entire opening scene altogether once I figured out what I really wanted the intrinsic motivation to be. Part two, a job nearly done. Here the characters are accompanying a caravan and they get attacked by some raiders. The good. I, I liked how they described the change in attitude by the merchants, both before and after the attack. Before the attack, you know, if the characters try to talk to them, they say, you're our bodyguards, we're your employers, let's keep it at that. You're not paid to socialize with us. I thought that was really interesting. 
really gives you an insight into the character of these merchants and very different from a typical NPC approach where, you know, they're usually quite happy to engage with the PCs. Another quote they had from them, they do have little snips of dialogue for each scene, and those are sometimes the best parts. Uh, this one also said by the merchants, All this way, and nothing has attacked us. Perhaps hiring your little group was an unjustified expense. So they hire these bodyguards, and the fact they don't get attacked, they start complaining about what they're paying these guys. Again, really uh, adds to the character of the merchants that are running this caravan. And of course, they change their tune uh, after they've been attacked, and the characters at least help them save their skins. Another thing I liked, the bandit leader, Calorthus, really get a feel for his character. They say that he's charismatic, and he alternates between the cordial stranger and cold, heartless bandit routines. He really kind of embodies that uh, charming pirate or bandit from Sherwood Forest that will be very polite, but at the same time will murder his victims in cold blood if the circumstances dictate it. So the bad. Like so many scenes in this module, I have to ask, what's the purpose of this scene? How does it really fit into the module? And is there is there any theme that runs through the module that this fits into? Like a lot of these modules of the early days, it doesn't seem to really fit in any way. I feel like they're either putting this in just to add to the page count, so you feel like you're getting more bang for your buck, or I don't know, maybe it's a way to another scene where they can gather some additional rumors after the merchants warm up. When I ran it, I actually placed this attack by these raiders uh, as part of their journey on the way to the Forest Maker, and only after they encountered the wizard. And I also changed the theme of these raiders. So here, as they're presented, they're all half-elves. Half-elves? And they are become raiders because of the racism that they feel from both human and elves. So they don't belong anywhere. So they're just going to strike out on their own. Maybe the purpose of this scene, then, is to illustrate what the world of Dark Sun is like, but really the PCs have no way of discovering that. This is all backstory for the raiders. So I decided to make them outcasts for a different reason. I first had to decide on a theme, and maybe that's where I should talk about this now, a theme that would run through the module. Some leitmotif that I could come back to again and again. I felt like the theme of this module should be about growth. This 
unnatural plant growth blooming in the desert. And so I wanted to tie everything into that. So instead of making them half-elf outcasts, I decided that they would be infected with a type of fungus. I called it Eugothian leprosy, and that is why they were outcasts. And you can see these gray tendrils growing across up to half of their bodies, slowly eating away at their facial features. It added a little more weirdness and horror to the scene. It also was interesting how the PCs, usually they're trying to scavenge whatever supplies they can, but for these raiders, they were unwilling to take their food and water because of fear of the infection. It also makes combat interesting, right? They don't want to touch these guys. They want to try to kill them at a distance if possible. So that's the change I made there. Next scene. Welcome to Tyr. So the PCs arrive in Tyr, and I guess this is... There's two reasons for bringing them to Tyr. One is so they can encounter the wizard. Ambaluk Pool is his name. And the other is so they can gather some additional rumors. The good. As they come in, there's a signboard showing a bowl, a drinking vessel, and a sleeping mat. And the signboard is shaped like a mechalot. What I found interesting about that is that it doesn't have words written on it because most people in Dark Sun are illiterate, so they would have to use iconography, images, in order to tell you that this place is a tavern or an inn. Another piece I liked was the fortune teller that has a shop here. They describe a number of shops in the immediate neighborhood, and one of them is this earth priest, Parusa by name, who, quote, has the habit of tossing handfuls of dirt on people and saying, all praise the earth, when they enter his shop. <laughs> I really liked this character, and I definitely kept him. I'll tell you how in a moment, but first the bat. Again, why is this scene here? Is it to give people a flavor for Dark Sun? Is it to gather further rumors? I cut it out altogether, but I did keep uh, a lot of the descriptions of the shops. I just moved them all to Altaruk, which is where I thought most of the NPC interactions would occur, and it allowed me to further flesh out the fortress of Altaruk. Next scene, preserving the preserver. Here the characters notice someone in an alley being mugged, and it ends up being the wizard that they're looking for. The good. This description of an object 
Quote, a jagged shard of obsidian is streaked with Amalok's blood. Wiped clean, the true nature of the shard shows through. The black glass is imperfect. Swirls of crimson, just below the surface, mar its shiny, dark appearance. So I um, kept this little artifact, thought it was had a nice description, and uh, used it as a way for the PCs to have a little more protection from the big bad at the end. I also liked the image of the mules that were attacking the wizard. Each of them had a rune of Larilyn tattooed on his bald head. I liked that image and I decided to keep it, although I did change things up a bit. I didn't use mules as Larilyn's enforcers. Instead, I decided to use Belgoy. I wanted something a little weirder. At this point, I should probably mention who Larilyn is. She's a sorceress that is trying to kidnap the wizard so that she can learn the location of the Tree of Life. So the ugly. I moved this encounter altogether instead of having it in tier. I moved this encounter to some ruins. I actually started out the adventure initially by having the characters exploring some ruins. They'd heard some rumors that there may be some Green Age ruins, but when they arrived there, they realized that the ruins were much more recent. They were made of mud brick and already being dissolved by the desert, so they didn't find much of value there. It looked like it had been picked over pretty clean, but while they're wandering through this uh, deserted town, they come across the scene of the three Belgoy badgering this wizard and trying to get him to come along. This for me made a lot more sense and that it would pique the character's interest because if Dark Sun is really as brutal as we say, then would they really even turn a second eye to someone being mugged in an alley? It seems that the PCs, if they were role-playing correctly, would just ignore that. They would just walk by and say, none of my business. So that ends part one. By the end of part one, the PCs should know now what their objective is. Took a long time to get there. Like I say, I shortcutted it, slimmed it down. Part two is the journey to get there. First scene, and I guess I should start by pointing out the fact that in part two, all of the scenes have these just really awful puns as their titles. I don't know who was in charge of the scene titles for part two, but some of these are just horrid. Anyway, in the first scene, we see a lone bard being attacked by a band of gith, the good. Uh, I liked the character of the bard. Her name is Domera. And one of her dialogue pieces is, 
My thanks for your hand against the gith scum. It would have been a real bother if I had to kill them all myself. So just her confidence and uh, a little bit of arrogance there that uh, I found was quite interesting. The bad. Why do we have this scene here? Again, it just feels like filler. Is it so we can get another NPC? I mean, there's a few more rumors, but there are just so many rumors throughout this. I just don't see the value that a lot of these rumors add. The Ugly. I took out this encounter completely, but I did keep the character of Domera, uh, not as someone the PCs encounter, but I wove her into the backstory, as I'll explain later. Next scene, low elf esteem. Oh, again, terrible. Uh, this is an encounter with a tribe of elves called the Fast Coins. I don't know, some of the naming in this uh, module and through a lot of the Dark Sun modules I have issues with. The good and some of the dialogue I enjoyed this. Back in Tyr, there was a woman, a sorceress, though I wager she'd deny it, who is very interested in this supposed forest. She travels with a pack of mule henchmen. Her name is Lyris, Lynn, Larilyn, something like that. Who knows with human names? Uh, what I enjoyed about that is that it gives you some... Uh, indication of the cultural and linguistic differences between races that to this elf these human names all sound the same that kind of made me chuckle okay the bad why do we have this here is it in case the characters didn't buy enough goods going out of the city if they need to resupply. Again, there's a few rumors they can pick up from these elves, but uh, overall, I had to question the purpose of this scene. And the ugly. So when I read through this scene, what I really wanted to get out of it was was something that felt like Christina Rossetti's The Goblin Market. So something strange and weird and fantastical. So I did a quick search on Google and found a list of 100 items. It was in Reddit somewhere that were magical but not utilitarian. And I just added that table here and allowed you know, the characters to be able to discover some of these weird, fantastical items. Like I think one was a skull that ash continually pours out of its eye sockets or something like that. Just these kind of weird items that would give characters a feel for the weird and fantastic. Next scene is called A Profitable Meeting. Profitable, spelled with an E rather than an I, because there's a profit in it. 
like someone who tells prophecies. Get the pun? The good. I really loved the character of the desert preacher in here. Coggolin is his name. And one moment he's condemning the characters and telling them to repent their ways. And in the next, he's asking them for some food. <laughs> it just uh, really made me laugh. Uh, here's the quote. Strangers, repeat your evil ways. All who embrace the coming of the forest maker shall lie in cool grass, be shaded by great leafy trees, drink from cool brooks, and pluck the succulent fruit and hunt the plump game. The forest maker comes, and she... The old man halts in mid-sentence and looks at your bowls and plates. I say, is there enough food for a wandering prophet such as myself? This reminds me of a story my professor told me years ago when he was in Switzerland and some homeless American was had gotten onto a bus that he was riding and he first starts by exclaiming loudly about the blood gold of the Swiss. This is the gold they received from the Nazis, I guess. So shouting about, Blutgilt! Blutgilt! And then uh, after his rantings, he started panhandling, <laughs> asking for a handout. <laughs> anyway, that's really what I thought of when I uh, read about this character. So the bad and nothing bad. Uh, this is great as is, and I used it as is. Okay, next scene is called Pilgrim's Feast, which is, uh, I don't know, a little bit uh, unsettling. It's basically a fire drake that's snacking on pilgrims, kind of sitting there bored, picking them up off the road and eating them. And maybe the shocking part is supposed to be that none of the pilgrims react. They kind of just wander forward in a daze. They don't try to avoid being eaten. I don't know, it's all rather gory and pointless to me. Is this to point out how dazed the pilgrims are? I don't think it would take this to figure it out. Maybe it's to drive the point home, or maybe it's just to give the PC something to fight. I removed this. Next scene, arrival at Altaruk. I like this as a location, and I could really see centering one's campaign around this kind of frontier trade center. I liked the dinner with Aris. Eris Fistanelis. Damn it, that name is way too long. Eris Fistanelis. Uh, maybe. Pseudo-Greek name. Uh, the PCs had a good time with that. Uh, what didn't I like? Larilyn attacks the PCs for no apparent reason. I didn't see the motivation there. I left that out, obviously, from my version. And 
one other thing I used, there was a half-elf named Tuan, that, uh, a bard, and I moved him into the background info as well. He was kind of the source of their rumors and legendary around the main prime motivator for this adventure. On to part three. First scene is Big Trouble. Similar to the Fire Drake scene, we have giants throwing boulders at pilgrims and them not caring that they're being killed, and uh, giants having silly dialogue like, humans, go squish. Anyway, I uh, didn't like it, took it out. I replaced it with what I called the Viridian Storm, this green storm cloud. Again, I have the theme of growing things, so this green organic storm that comes toward them and it starts, instead of raining down rain, there's these green plant-like cysts that are raining down and these thread tails that are hanging off of them and if you're struck by them this creature kind of crawls out of its shell and begins to burrow into your flesh or even being hit by the whip-like tail has a, an acid sort of burn to it shades of dragon riders of pern and the thread the next scene is desert madness we have a ranger with a flaming sword comes flying down on his rock and attacks the pcs claiming they are disciples of the forest maker I didn't really care for this encounter. I guess I didn't care for the PC, uh, the ranger. He just seems very undark sun to me. But uh, I did find it an interesting bit of symbolism, maybe. The flaming sword outside the Garden of Eden. Anyway, I removed this altogether although I did kind of keep that guy in my back pocket in case I wanted to add an extra encounter if, for instance, the PCs wandered around and got bored or something. Next scene is the forest. The PCs actually arrive at the forest. They're greeted by the Evangian. What did I like? Uh, the dialogue for the Evangian. I thought that was good really gives you a feel for how you should play her. I liked kind of some of the weird scenes, halflings repeatedly attacking a gourd, Kip attacking a Zital, anything that kind of made it seem like there was something not quite right about this otherwise very Edenic sort of setting. So how did I change it? I really wanted to give it a feeling of something similar to that movie, The Endless, where these two guys go back to a UFO death cult that they ran away from as children. That's the premise of the story, but it ends up that there's kind of some weird things going on on this mountain and I wanted 
something of that same feeling of weirdness. I did not like the fact, and spoilers ahead if you haven't already realized that, the fact that the big bad here was a sorcerer queen. One of the general weaknesses, I think, of most of the modules created for 2nd edition Dark Sun is that the sorcerer monarchs are way too involved in PCs' lives. If Dark Sun's intention was to be more sword and sorcery, we shouldn't have these really big movers and shakers, the rulers of the world essentially, interacting with the PCs on a personal level. And that seems to happen in every adventure. So I didn't want that. Instead, I made the primary villain here at the end more of an ancient entity, maybe an outer being, maybe a spirit of the land, something that's been around since before humanity and is not evil by design, but in the same way that Cthulhu is evil. It's evil because it doesn't take humanity into consideration when it acts. I also changed the name. I really hated the name Raffernard, if that's if I'm pronouncing it correctly. It sounds like, I don't know, a French musketeer scrotum is what it reminds me of. So I changed that as well. Next part of the module is the plaza, the central plaza of this grove. Uh, it was okay. I didn't change much, if anything, about that. The next piece, the underground, I changed almost completely. I think I may have kept the map, but everything else I changed. It was just way too prosaic. I mean, we have Gith here. I wanted something definitely weirder. And so I, uh, I modified everything there. I think initially I had desert harpies the first time I ran it, and I had them kind of hanging from these timbers that were stuck in the ceiling. Uh, by their claws, and they were all asleep when the PCs arrived, so they had to be very quiet passing through there so they didn't waken them. And the second time, I made that whole room just hip-deep in mud, and I had these kind of mud, weed, vine creatures all hanging down from the ceiling, curled up almost in this fetal position, and in the prison, I replaced the prison with kind of a mad scientist sort of human experimentation area where they were experimenting on people. I replaced the pit. I think they had it as a, a, a few timbo down there as kind of a uh, feed prisoners to sort of thing. And I made it this bottomless pit with the Migo. So they were the ones that were kind of in charge of the uh, science project here, experimenting on the captives. At one point I thought about making that pit the uh, 
entry into the lung chamber of a dead god that was buried here under the grove so they could feel the wind going in and out of the crevasse, almost like breathing. And the final scene was the showdown, in which, in all instances, my PCs just ran away to save themselves. I uh, changed it significantly, since we no longer have a metamorphosis scene by a dragon queen, but it was still dangerous enough with the hordes of fanatics coming after them for them to decide that discretion was the better part of valor and to get the hell out of there. Okay, so how did I change the motivation for the whole module? I said I was going to get to that. Reading this third part of the module, we find out that the Sorcerer Queen has been using an artifact, a relic, the skull of Dorog Fell, to attract people here and to help to grow the forest. So that really was the piece that became interesting to me. There's not a lot of background on it, but I decided to make that kind of the keystone to the whole adventure. So again, making it more sword and sorcery, I made the prime motivator, the acquisition of this skull. So the PCs had heard rumors that this skull was down in the desert somewhere. It had been lost in the wastes. There was some other fishy stuff going on down there, and they knew it was very valuable. So if they could recover that, then they would be rich beyond their wildest dreams. And so then I constructed the backstory to fit that. So the mage that was mind-wrecked, Amalek Pool. I had him traveling between Uruk and Gulg. He stopped at Altaruk, and there Demera used her charm to get in good with the captain of the fortress, and Amalek had left it in safekeeping with the captain. She kind of stole it out from right beneath his nose and left before dawn with a caravan. Unfortunately for her, the caravan was attacked by the dawn raiders and she lost the skull. The dawn raiders in turn were hunted down by the Templars of Gulg. Most of them were killed only their chieftain, mortally wounded, staggered out into the desert with the skull still in his possession. And he was able to lose his pursuers. He found his way to this tree of life and to this ancient spirit who realized the power of the skull, took the bandit chieftain captive, took the skull and started to build out this grove the bandit chief later escaped, but only after he had been infected with this Ugothian leprosy. So hopefully that isn't overly convoluted. I think it kind of wraps it up into a nice little package. So Forest Maker. I picked it up for like a few bucks 
on the Black Friday sale on drive-thru. Like I say, there's a lot wrong with it, but I think there's still a lot that could be used if you're willing to put in some work. Thanks for joining. We'll talk to you again soon. Be safe.